0: Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In this next part of our exclusive special series with Michael Sikora, founder and director of the Socrates Project within the Reagan White House, we revisit myth number two, how manufacturing is the key when it comes to countering the China threat. Previously, we covered the topic as a slight overview, but this time we're digging in. Mike, thank you so much for joining us again. Great to have you back on the show.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Covered Ca- a lot of good material last time. I th- think we had a lot more good to cover.
0: I think we were touching on manufacturing a bit. So when it comes to countries like China, there's the cheap labor aspect. But how does that tie into the manufacturing?
1: It's that immersion in finance-based planning
0: that literally
1: Its profit. Well, do you know what the next step is by China? It's like, we don't need your name. So now we can basically, we got 99% of the technology. Now all we've got to do is just peel off the made in GP, GT, GE, and then put on another label. Now we got it all. The company's out of business. Okay, Not particularly talking about GE. But the point is, it got to that point. Okay, And from a finance, because again, Americans are so immersed in finance-based planning that they could take this, initially downloading, offloading the manufacturing, and then go to the stockholders, go to the board, and because remember, all these people, look the only way they look at results is the finance. And if all these things, if they can go in there and say, look, if we get rid of manufacturing, look at the, how our costs are going to drop. And look how much our increase our profit, and it stays a more stable profit. So the board says tremendously yes. Stockholders say yes. Cool, no problem. One of the things that's really really nice about finance-based planning is its numbers. So if somebody can say, if we download this, our profits will increase by twenty percent. And the other guy says, well, if we keep it, you know, we can do these things, but our profits will be where they are. Well, twenty is bigger than zero, so therefore we go with twenty. OK. Easy decision. And that's one of the reasons finance-based planning is so, so attractive, is because numbers are easy to look at. 5 is smaller than 10. 20 is smaller than 10. 20 is smaller than 10. Ten's bigger than 5. So you can look at them and very easily make decisions. So it was all downloaded. But now some people have said, you know what? That's some value actually comes out of manufacturing. So what we need to do is bring manufacturing back. But it also comes back to this silver-bullet approach, which is this one magical technology is going to save the day. So now there's this push on bringing manufacturing back. But what the Americans don't realize, and it's not apparent really from finance-based planning, is that the real battle never took place in manufacturing. Because downloading manufacturing places like China created a weakness that China and others fully exploited to their advantage. Build all these industries out of it, which then generate all funds and everything else. All technology strategy based. But bringing manufacturing back will not necessarily be a US strength. And that's what they want to say. The, the, the difference between a weakness and a strength is not apparent. Just because you had a weakness and you removed it doesn't mean all of a sudden you have a strength. It just means you no longer have a weakness to exploit. But what they don't realize is that the competitive advantage that China achieved was not by acquiring the manufacturing. The competitive advantage that China achieved was through their technology strategy. Because remember, it's it's a chess game of offensive-defensive. So if they allow us to have this particular manufacturing, and they know that we need this technology to bring it to the next level which would allow it to be competitive with something they're doing which they need for moving forward, they'll block us from accessing it. Let me digress for a second. Silk, the new Silk Road. Let's talk about that for a second. Everybody's familiar with that. And all the studies that were done that I have seen address it from a financial point of view and political point of view. Okay? Where it says, hmm, and there was, a, I forgot which think tank came up, the list of 10 things to check when the, uh, somebody offers you New Silk Road, you know, to build something, a road, or whatever. They said, number one, make sure that uh, you don't get financially in debt that, that you can't pay back because then they'll just grab whatever they want. Number two, look at the political ramifications of letting them have a part. There's all these things, but they're all basically financial and political. But that was not the real objective of the New Silk Road. Okay, And it's very, very interesting. So, let's go back to what we talked about in our previous conversation, which is that China's objective, their national objectives, reclaim their position as the world's super-dominant power for four generations. And they know to achieve that, because as they say, technology is the foundation of all competitive advantage for a country. They know that they have to become the center of the world for all technology exploitation. Okay. Interesting. Which, as we talked about before, that doesn't mean they're doing all the R and D. That means they're just controlling all the development, exploitation, and utilization of technology. Which means all these paths they've established throughout the world are now going to be utilized to control where, what level we are, how we're utilized. Because if you control, let me see Because we know how you exploit the technology dictates the other resources, manpower, natural resources, and else, if they control how we exploit technology, and they utilize that, that also gives them the leverage to exploit our other resources. So let's look at the new Silk Road. As we know, technology advancement is nothing more than technology A bumping into technology B to produce technology C. Literally, there's no magic there. Contrary to what the physicists will sometimes say in the researchers about Oh, it's magic, I'll leave me in a room and, you know, I'll rub my temples and magic's gonna happen. No. Technology A, bumping into technology C. B, produces technology C. Okay. Point number one. Point number two. Technology is nothing more than equipment, material, and know-how. That's what it's comprised of. So, if you can control what of those three things you get, the B, you can control when a country comes up with C. Equipment material. The New Silk Road's objective, if you really look at how it was being designed, was to control the shipment of all equipment and material. Now let's add in know-how, information. Let's look at 5G. Their objective was to be able to control the distribution of information. Okay. So with the new Silk Road combined with the 5G initiative, they would have the ability to basically control what, what came into a country which would dictate how their technology evolved. So now all of a sudden we can, a company, or a country rather, like France, doesn't want to politically line up and do what China wants. All of a sudden they can rattle, throttle back on equipment material and know-how, such that all of a sudden their technological level stalemates. The rest of the world moves forward. They're less competitive economically and militarily. So that would give them the ability, not 100%, nothing's ever 100%, but a tremendous lever in actually controlling how technology evolves worldwide. Now, there's another way to play the game, and we actually played this, I'm not going to give you the details, but where we shipped certain things over to the Soviet Union. Okay. So the Soviets are expecting, they've got some research, and for this and at the same time they will us in other areas like computing, like the quantum, the AI, the food, the agriculture, the, the full range of other functions required for a society. As a result, yeah, we'll get manufacturing back. We'll employ more people, but they will not allow that via their technology strategy to get in their way of them being, of us being a competitor to their and limiting their ability to achieve their national strategy.
0: That was Michael Sikora, founder and director of the Socrates Project within the Reagan White House. And after the break, we continue our exclusive special coverage with Michael Sikora. We move into what the U.S. can do to counter the China threat and what steps need to be implemented. That and more in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. We continue our exclusive special coverage with Michael Sikora. We move into what the U.S. can do to counter the China threat and what steps need to be implemented. I do want to get to the industrial policies later, but returning to manufacturing really quickly. Going forward, what would the solutions be? What would the solution look like that the U.S. can start implementing?
1: We have to come up with a National Manufacturing Technology Strategy. Which right now, what... I mean, the way strategies are developed in D.C. right now... I'll lift the curtain and show you how, the, how it's made. Like, you know what they say in Washington? They say there's two things you've never seen made. Legislation and sausage. It's true. What they do is they get a bunch of experts. and the, Who are supposedly manufacturing experts. And they get them in a room. And sometimes it's multiple rooms, multiple teams. And they say, what do you think we should manufacture? One guy says, well, I think, you know, plastic cups. Everybody uses plastic cups. They go, okay, that's on our list. What do we need to do better plastic cups? Well, it gives more money to the universities for plastics. Okay. And they go around the room, and they ask all these questions. And they put them in a big pile. And then they divide them by category. So some usually GS1 small consultant gets to put them into categories because they got similar words. That's their strategy. okay? Which basically means, what are all the cool ideas about what we should manufacture into manufacturing, where we should put some money on things like R&D and transportation and what have you. That's it. Not what is China doing in their manufacturing technology strategy, What competitive advantage is it going to generate? How does it support some of the other initiatives? And how does it overall impact upon the military, economic, and social strength or political strength of the United States? None of that's addressed. It's just boom. Now, the basic assumption is because he's an expert in manufacturing that he somehow is going to identify that one manufacturing thing that's important. But usually he has no idea what a national technology strategy is, what China's national technology strategy is, what it is is his pet project because he's got some researchers working at it back at the university. Or his company is pretty good at it and therefore they can make more money by focusing in on that. That's all there is. Instead of looking at it and saying, hmm, China is moving into multi layer uh, 3D production with uh, fiber infusion in order to get composites with high tensile strength for aerospace. That's what we need to go into because if they get that and can do it in mass, that will allow them to drop the weights on aerospace platform, which will give them a competitive advantage in both military and commercial—a big, big competitive advantage. That we can see—that's their technology strategy. We actually see it all fit together. Instead of, well, you know what, I think the plastics is a good thing to go in because everybody makes plastic cups. And that's basically the difference. So it is actually, because you can't develop the technology strategy to outmaneuver the technology exploitation unless you know what their technology strategy is. And Socrates was designed with the capability to actually determine all the adversaries and the threats technology strategies. So we can literally go in there and say, you know what, we know they're going after Three-layer 3D composite metal-infused composites in order to go for the aerospace industry, which will drop the weight anywhere from five to twenty percent, which gives them a, a maneuverability advantage in and military. Gives them a commercial advantage, so they can drive us out of the commercial aerospace industry. Bing, bing, bing. And we can look at it and go, you know what? We can do two things. We can go defensive. We can go offensive. We can go into it. Okay. At the same time, we don't have to. But at the same time, we could say, you know what? We know that two of the technologies they need for that are coming out of University of Washington. Okay, so let's do a technology counter-reliance to block that. What that means is we classify it or we put it as national important. There's a lot of ways the government can work with a company, work with the universities to get it locked down, which is a lot better than playing whack a mole by the FBI, hoping that can somehow see a guy doing something that looks a little bit fishy and grab him before he gets on the plane. Okay. So now we lock that down. At the same time we know we want to we know that from an offensive position that if we take that, cross-pollinate with this technology out of the University of Paris, we can actually get more weight gain or weight decrease efficiency in those materials. So we're also going to look at a cross-pollination with the University of Paris. Okay. Now we also know that one of the problems is going to be durability, so we got to look at the coatings. So we look at the coating technology and find out that, huh, China's got a a coating technology that's at University X, don't know any Chinese universities off the top of my head, and if we can convince that guy to migrate to the United States, we can acquire that technology from them, which when we apply it, once we get Paris and University of Washington together to the next generation of uh, 3D printing composites, and we put on this coating, guess what, we will actually now have a more durable as well as a lighter product at the same time we've blocked China from moving forward in their development. Not blocked them, they will probably pursue it, but now they're going to be pushed to go indigenous development which will put them behind by two years. So now what we do is we know we can get our platforms out there, military and commercial, two years before they are, and at the same time, because when you develop the technology strategy, it's not just, oh, we got the great one, we can go sleep, now we go drink beer. No, it's a matter of, okay, we've developed the first ply. So with Washington, Paris, taking the guy in from China, we know we have a competitive edge. But we know in two years, they're going to come to the market with that. So now we're right back into the mix. So what's the next ply in our technology strategy? Well, we also know that we're going to be using, let's say, metal fibers in the composite. But you can also use diamond-coated metal fibers, because diamond coating is a very cool technology. It's not that expensive, sort of expensive. But if we can drop the cost enough, we can coat the fibers with diamond, which increases their tensile strength by 100%, which then allows it to be thinner, which allows us to increase the, um, decrease the weight just another 20%, which will then leap a frog over China again. So, in the timing perspective, okay, we're going to look at the diamond techno- coding technology. We see that there's three companies working on it, GM, Ford, and Chrysler, and bing, bing, bing. Okay, we'll work with them on it to see if we can put them into a three-way alliance. That comes in, and again, it's not dictating Basically it's laying out what can be done to their advantage and our advantage and they do that. So now we've blocked China for two years we will come out with the product to maintain competitive advantage and about the time theirs comes to the market, oh well guess what guys we got the next generation come right after that. So now they're behind again. So the key is acquiring and maintaining the initiative such that we're always dictating the terms. Why? Because we're outmaneuvering them in the technology. How do we do it? Because we can execute that technology exploitation, the technology strategy of it, with speed, efficiency, and agility they can't match by a long shot. So we're always developing a technology strategy which is several plies, layers, or circles ahead of them, cycles, such that every time they think they're going to get a competitive advantage, they don't. They don't. They don't. But here's the cool part, part of the cool part. What happens when they've now invested 500 million dollars in this next generation material but yet it doesn't have a competitive advantage. They just wasted 500 million dollars. Cool. Okay. Now what happens to the next generation? That's so they come back to the drawing board. They now invest another half a million dollars for the next generation. By the time they get to that, we've already surpassed them. So now we can start draining their coffers which then comes back to the point we made earlier was that technology exploitation dictates how you exploit and the amount you need of all the other resources finance, you know, money, manpower, natural resources, what have you so as a result by effectively outmaneuvering them in the technology exploitation by the technology strategy we can dictate what happens to all their other resources so now all of a sudden with every cycle we're making them, putting blank ter- blatant terms. We're making them waste a hell of a lot of money. That's what you do. That's what China is. One of the things China has done to us, where they don't release a product, they don't do something until we've invested a lot of money, and when it's finally comes to fru- when we come to fruition, now we've invested you know so sort many of billions or billions of dollars, it's for naught because we have no competitive edge. We can do that to them. So when it comes to manufacturing. We turn the tides where we can truly start building materials which have a competitive advantage in the marketplace and do it in such a way, from a strategic point of view, that we're causing them to deplete their other resources, like manpower, like funding. That's how we do it. It's a game of chess.
0: It does sound like by employing that we could actually win. Instead of all these other strategies, sometimes you're left with a blank slate. Um, but before we get to all the further ones and a potential hot war in all these different domains, any last words on manufacturing?
1: The key is not manufacturing, because we didn't we didn't lose our competitive advantage by getting right in manufacturing. We lost our competitive advantage and with all the financial negative impacts it had because. We were looking financially at the manufacturing, and now we're still looking at the manufacturing, and that's never where the fight was. The fight is down here. So even if we bring manufacturing back, we'll get outmaneuvered in the technology exploitation such that we'll again lose, we'll have wasted years thinking that's the magic bullet, and we'll be further in debt without a competitive advantage.
0: Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Michael Socorro, founder and director of the Socrates Project within the Reagan White House. Be sure to tune in next week for the next part in this exclusive special series, where we'll tackle the issue of industrial policy and what steps the U.S. needs to implement to begin to counter the China threat. Thanks for watching China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. See you soon.